Hello and welcome to Connected episode 271. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, ExpressVPN, and Ahrefs. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Oh, hello. Hey, buddy. Hi. You good? Yeah, you ready for that turkey? Sure. Good. Thanks. Thanksgiving is here. Yeehaw. Uh, yeehaw. And uh, Federico Vitici. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. We're doing the show. This is the basically the last thing on my schedule this week because it's a holiday here and taking a couple days off. So I get to close out my week with you all. That means me and, me and Federico, get, get we get days off for free. You know that, right? Because no one else is working. Yes. We all work with all Americans. Nobody else is here. So it's the end of our week, too. Well, I am working, though. I know, but so. it's by choice, you know. It's it is by choice, not because I have to, mm-hmm. as always. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you you guys are looking for uh, my follow up on the weird carbon fiber. Case. Oh wow, we just started. Woof, that, there was no no stopping us this week. Yeah, I guess I, don't, I, don't, I ain't got time for chit chat. Whoa, <laughs> so, I sorry. Got time for that. Oh, Nobody nice. wants to hear that. Reference acknowledged. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Um, so last week, I told you guys that I ordered the, the, oh God, what was the name again? Pitaka. Pitaka, thank you. Um, case uh, made of aramid fiber. Love, super ugly case. Uh, my girlfriend disagrees. Uh, she thinks it's very cool, and so it is cool because she says so. Um, Hang on. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel uh, about this. Uh, <laughs> Sylvia's opinion is what matters for this show. Um, Wait, hang on so... a second. I feel like... <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to fight this. Look, I'm just saying she has, she, she's she got style. Yes. She, yeah. she, she knows things about life yeah. that I don't sometimes. Uh, and so she said it's good looking, and I I think it's good looking. But but honestly, I can also see why some people don't like it. So, I mean, carbon okay. fiber anyway. is a very like that look. It's a very specific look. You either like it or you mm-hmm. don't like it. Yes, uh, I don't think that there's a lot of falling in the middle on a, on a on a case that looks like this. So the Pitaka case, uh, as promised, super thin and super like it's 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 a very hard material. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you try? But it's also very a tiny knife. I tried. Uh, it wasn't tiny. Okay. It was a kitchen knife. Oh, you actually I, did. Uh, yeah, I actually did. I didn't stab it, but I tried to scratch it, and it didn't scratch. Like it, it just, it just doesn't scratch. And I thought that was really impressive. I, uh, my friends thought it was a really impressive demo. Everybody thought it was cool. Uh, uh, it was. We had like a dinner, and I pulled out my phone and I started scratching. Everybody was like, "Oh my god, what are you doing?" And I was like, "Yeah, this is." A special fiber case, mm. you know. Uh, so I was acting all, you know, bragging about it and whatnot. Uh, but then I stopped using it like the day after because the Apple battery case arrived. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> and see so you, Pitaka. But I would say this: uh, the the uh, the Pitaka case it works as advertised. It's super thin. It's very easy to remove from your phone, which I cannot say for a lot of cases, actually. You know, I always hate it when, like, it becomes a job in itself to remove a case. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very easy to pull out. I love the fact that he, uh, that it doesn't cover the power button and the volume buttons. So that's very cool. It's super thin. 
And uh, it appears that it's also compatible with a magnetic mount that Pitaka also makes. I haven't bought the magnetic mount. I'm not planning on buying one because all the... So this, I suppose it is a magnetic mount for your car. Those have never worked for me. So it's either a problem of my car or the way that I install these magnetic mounts. I believe it's my problem because mm -hmm. I tend to, like generally speaking, I've always had problems with car mounts and applying um, protective covers on top of the display of any smartphone. Like I just can't do it. it I, I'm just... I'm, I'm not capable of using my fingers correctly to apply a protective layer of plastic or glass on top of a screen. Like, I just don't know how to do it. Uh, and so one time I bought one, like a really expensive one, for 35 euros, and I installed it, and after two hours I threw it out the window. Like, I literally threw it out the window. That's um, <laughs> and was that yes. needed? <laughs> so did you have to? I did. I was very frustrated about it. Um, So, yeah. In any case, Pitaka make, uh, makes a good case. But I'm not using it anymore. So that was 45 euros <laughs> basically wasted. Um, I mean, the follow-up was probably worth it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Sure, it See? was an investment in this it's episode. Nice. Doesn't that feel nice? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Mike, you, we have sent you into the world, and you have come back with weird pop socket stuff. Yep. I... <laughs> So we, obviously we've been talking a lot about pop sockets recently and there was a product release last week I think just after the show I don't know why this product exists but it is a pop socket AirPods case so you can put your AirPods inside of this case which has a pop socket mount on it so you can mount your AirPods to the back of your phone for some reason so that is a thing that you can do uh, I don't know why you would I don't know why you would want this. I don't think that it is a good solution for for really anything. But this led me to think, what other stuff can I find on the PopSocket website? Because they are a company mm. who seem to just want to make anything that they possibly can. So mm. I found They call this the PopSocket challenge. Um, they, try and find the weirdest thing on the PopSockets website. Challenge. So I uh, found a selection of things that I want to show to you and to our audience. Okay. The first is called the Pop Grip Lips. Pop Grip Lips. Yes. It is a pop socket which includes a lift-up section. When you flip it up, oh there is a lip gloss inside. Lip balm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so made with beeswax and vitamin E. Yep. So so that's the good. thing. If you want to 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 <laughs> balm your lips uh, and have it built into your pop socket, you can do that. Uh, I then thought to myself, what is the most expensive pop socket I can find? And I found a eighty dollar pop socket um, called the Pop Socket Malachite. It is made of uh, the stone malachite. So malachite is a stone. Well, that's what it says on the website. Sounds like a sounds like a Pokemon. The natural you're into deep natural porous stone malachite, which will show some blah 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 wear and scratches. But it is an eighty dollar pop socket, which it, it looks pretty, but I don't want to spend that amount of money. Then that, the last, does it though? <laughs> does I mean, it's it nice. <laughs> it's, it's nice if that's your style. Look, Mister Carbon Fiber. <laughs> show this one to Sylvia and ask her what I'm she thinks. I'm not using text. It. Text Sylvia a link 
to the polished Malachite pop socket and say, what do you think? I just want to know. I'm just trying to understand the level of styles that we're talking about here. The last thing is the pop thirst, which are uh, drink koozies, drink sleeves that have pop sockets on them. They are what? Nothing to do with phones at all. So they're like drink holders with pop sockets on them. So you can have like one for cans, one for like uh, coffee cups, and then there's like this full sleeve and it has a pop socket mount on it. Why would you need this? Like, can you? I, I can you I just don't hold know. the thing? It feels like I don't understand. No, I mean, I, I mean, I get it. You can make an accessory like this. Uh, <laughs> I guess the thinking is, a- it's like it maybe keeps them cold or warm, and then also just has the pop socket thing on there. But like, I, I don't. Sure. Yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. But that, so these are. This is the trip that I have taken through the pop socket website to bring you this. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Anytime. Um, they also have wallets with pop sockets on them. Yeah, they didn't seem so weird to me. You know? Mm. They have pop sockets. But the wallet sticks to the back of your phone, though. What, what's a pop mount? That is like... So, you know, you were just talking about those magnetic mounts. So, you yeah. put those in your car and then you can hang your phone on it because your phone's got the pop socket on uh, it and it just slots right in there. Oh, I see. It's actually pretty cool. Oh, there's a lot of things on this website. Thank you, Michael. Anytime. We spoke uh, last time about the Mac Pro factory, and we had lots of questions about the situation there, and we got some feedback on that. Someone wrote in about the screen rotation, so we noticed that the iMacs were hanging upside down. We discovered, thanks to Underscore, how you do that in macOS, and it was it was very confusing because the mou- the mouse control was was backwards. This person wrote in clarifying that this would not be the case if you hadn't physically rotated your displays like those in the Mac Pro factory. So I guess because the machine was upside down and then the image was upside down, it it evens out. I don't know. I tried drawing this. Like, am I, I, I can't figure out what they're saying. But um, I also didn't hang my iMac Pro upside down to see if it works. But apparently if you turn the machine upside down, but then the picture upside down again, then basically the mouse movement would be normal again because like the dock is still at the bottom. The mini bar is still at the top. Does that make sense? Uh, I believe they call this quantum mechanics. Yes, it is. That's um, uh, NASA mm-hmm. JPL. They're, they're working on this. Is that what? Is that what that is? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Huh. Yeah, yeah. It's about turning um, electrons upside down multiple times. The more you know, right? Now you know. This is a science po- <laughs> science podcast. Now. Yeah. We can talk about anything. You want to hear about quantum physics? We'll talk about quantum physics. No problem. Is that different to quantum mechanics? T- totally oh, different, yeah, man. Totally Come on. Different. Uh, See, in quantum oh, okay. physics, you just talk about turning things upside down. You don't actually do it. Ah, uh, so the <laughs> physics is when you just talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And then the mechanics is when you do it. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. As in all things okay. physics. It's a theoretical mm-hmm. and applicable, you know, different, different things. Ah, uh, See, this is why I need you guys in my life. Uh-huh. You're welcome. Someone else wrote in saying that they work for a U.S. factory related to technology. It's as specific as they were. Uh, and can confirm that we are still using Windows XP in manufacturing. This particular plant is looking to upgrade to Windows 10, but the software runs really slow and terribly on it because it was written for Windows XP. So it's, uh, it's still out there. So you've got to assume, I mean, we I don't know. I didn't read this email. Stephen reads all the email, which is great. This came in a in a bottle. Actually, it was like a it was like a handwritten note okay. in a bottle. Was it upside down? <laughs> Not a surprise from the <laughs> Windows XP guy. Yeah, he, he can't email. <laughs> well, I'm assuming that this person 
does not work in a manu- in a manufacturing company that makes PCs like Windows PCs because otherwise they wouldn't be surprised that they were using Windows XP, right? Like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's, Maybe. that's my theory. So Windows XP is is out there, you know, it'll never die. That's probably true, you know. <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to die. Uh, if I can find the link, I'll put it in the show notes. I can't promise I can find it again cuz I watched it a while back about uh, OS2, which was like this IBM project to like rival Windows or whatever. And how it is still in use in on like ATM machines. Oh, I used to use OS2 uh, when I was working in the bank. And mass transit, yeah. So OS2 has been dead for years. Uh, sorry, guy English. Uh, but it is uh, still out there. People still still using it. If something is adopted by the finance industry, it will never change. Yeah. Because it's, a, it's an old, slow industry that moves very cautiously. I wanted to tell you a quick tale about HomePod multi-user support. Oh, boy. No, again... Mm. No, I just hit a funny snag. It's an unexpected side effect. Okay. Adina is not an Apple Music user. She's a Spotify user. She can now no longer request music. To be <laughs> mm. Interesting. Right? Because okay. the Apple Music was on my account. And because she doesn't have an Apple Music account, when she asks, it's like, I can't do that. Mm. Um, right? And you don't have a music Family we don't have music family plan because she's the reason we didn't do that is because she's all in on Spotify. She doesn't want to move to Apple sure. Music like she likes right. Spotify. So then Apple Music is one of the only services where you have to pay more to put it in the family plan. So will it just be wasted? Although now it might not be wasted because now we need to be able to. She can't request music. Like so, what she ended up doing was airplaying from her phone to the home. She's not great. Um, Can. Which is not Can great. you... I, I don't use Spotify. Can You can't talk to Spotify through Siri yet? No, but and it literally says, I cannot do that with Spotify. Wow. I cannot do it with those... those like they have a custom message, I can't do I this think. for you, dirty Spotify user. Please subscribe to Apple Music. Mm-hmm. Wait, Spotify doesn't have Siri integration? I thought they did. Well, it didn't work with the HomePod. Yeah, it, it may be that it's on the phone, but not on the... Maybe the maybe it wouldn't work with the HomePod, yeah. Because I do believe that they they launched it on the phone. Yeah, do you guys say that? Mm. It's a thousand tweets being written <laughs> telling us that it's on the phone. Uh, I also have a HomePod issue that's been happening for the past couple of weeks. And it's one of those things that it's just, I, I don't want to fix it because it's a whole thing to go through the process. So, a 9 to 5 Mac article says that it should be working via a software update to the HomePod, but it didn't work. And this was on October 7th. So I don't know what to suggest. That's just trying to oh, close okay. that loop. I apologize oh, thank for you. interrupting. So for the past couple of weeks, whenever I open the home app, one of my three HomePods, the one in the hallway, says in red, account, with an explanation point. I have it too. I tap on it, and it says something like, unable to connect to your iCloud account. And I log in to my iCloud account again, successfully. Um, The account warning disappears few days pass, it's back. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been going on for two, three weeks. I've tried to power cycle, power cycle the HomePod multiple times. No, it doesn't fix it. It's updated to the latest version. Um, this was happening before I installed the 13.3 beta on my phone. And it's. Uh, I'm guessing that somebody will say, just reset your HomePod. But I really don't want to. Like... 
I, I, I shouldn't have to, and I don't want to, to go through the process of resetting and redoing the setup and saying, yes, personal requests. Uh, just file a radar. Just file a radar. Sure. I, I could file a radar. Uh, <laughs> I gu- I'm guessing that, or in this case, because it's not a high priority bug for me, because look, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta think about your own interests here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'll just wait for it for it to be fixed eventually. Like, it'll fix itself, I'm sure, at some point. But it, it broke just, itself? Uh, it broke itself? So surely yeah. it can you fix, fix itself. Broke you yourself, know? you fix yourself. I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend well, doesn't even okay. like you. <laughs> <laughs> You're here because, you know, out of a favor. But, uh, yeah, you know, it'll fix itself <laughs> at some point. What's the favor? What, what's going like on? Like, I'm keeping that homepad around. As a favor? To who? And like no, Sylvia fundamentally despises the home pods, like right. all of them. Oh, sex! Um, and whenever is this more when, or less than she that she despises the Echo? No, you don't understand. Is it a style problem? She is no, 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 no. She is nostalgic of the Echo now. Oh, whenever you've she crossed sees, that line now. Whenever she sees an Echo commercial on TV, and we have plenty of those over here, she mm-hmm. looks at that object longingly, like, "Oh, I remember those days." Um, I'm gonna, it, I'm gonna buy one and send it to your house. <laughs> I, I have one. You don't need to. <laughs> it's just, but, it's just a mess of you. <laughs> Um, she, like every time I talk to Siri and and Siri responds, she comments on it. She, Sylvia, comments <laughs> on it. She's, she's like, oh, she's so stupid. <laughs> like every single time. And I'm like, I'm like, come on. And, and so my excuse is I need it for work. That's that's what I say. Like, I need it for work. Oh, uh, you've gone to that level? Oh, yeah. No. And she's like, yeah, oh, but you boy. need three of them. She sees through you, man. <laughs> and she she knows point. you. Yep. I have the same yeah. thing on the HomePod yeah. in my studio. The two in the house don't do it. And every time I open the Home app, it says account in big red letters. It also bothers me because if you go try to enter the iCloud password, I think this is one of the places where you can use a password manager for like the system prompt, but sometimes you can't. Like Apple just didn't hook it up on some screens and you have to like go. If it's intermittent, you have to like go to one password, copy your Apple ID password because mine's really long. And then, like, wait for it to happen again and hope it's still on your clipboard. Like, killing me. Killing me, Apple. Teachy Black Friday, as it's known. Teachy Friday. Mm. Uh, You know, it's a time for hashtag deals. And uh, you have a hashtag deals thing going on in Mac Stories. You want to tell us about it? Well, we don't have the hashtag, so I hope that's still good enough. Just regular deals. Well, Nope. Take it out the list. (laughs) <laughs> okay, no so hashtag. moving on, Don't next topic. All right. So we have a hashtag deal. Our Mac Stories shortcuts icons, we talked about them before. They are on sale at 50% off until Monday evening US time. So these are the uh, 350 icons that we launched, uh, we launched a few months ago. They are custom icons to customize the look of shortcuts that you add to your home screen. Uh, this is a new feature of iOS 13.1, which which launched in September, and um, there's hundreds of icons in the set uh, for task management, uh, AirPlay. There's a few Home Pods uh, in there, uh, all kinds of options. Um, and we, I mean, the response to these icons has been incredible, way better than I actually expected. And so we thought for Black Friday, why don't we 
why don't we do a sale so that even more people can actually take advantage of this? Because we realize that, you know, normally they're on sale of $15, which is by modern internet standards not exactly cheap, but it's also 350 icons that Sylvia, you know, did each one manually. And you know they have style, right? Yeah, you know it's cool. We know that, but they got style because Sylvia. They made got that. style because she. Ma- see, that's exactly. what I told you exactly. So did she? <laughs> did she sneak any Amazon Echo designs in there? Like long. She actually, she actually did ask me, "Do we really have to do the HomePod wow. <laughs> in- instead of another cylinder?" And I you told could just her, tell her it's the second edition Echo I told, instead. I I told her oh, it could be the Echo Studio. Uh, <laughs> I to- oh my god. Well, ugly hole in it totally (laughs) totally unrelated but a few days ago there was a commercial on tv for a lizzo album so Uh you guys know lizzo right um Uh, yeah and this commercial hold on hold on hold on steven steven do you know who lizzo is (laughs) (laughs) just checking just checking uh anyway um lizzo album uh recorded in in um Oh, God, what's it called? The Dolby uh, Audio. Atmos. Atmos, thank you. Uh, Wait, is, which one's the, the stuff that you see and which one's the Atmos one that you Atmos is audio. Dolby Vision. vision. Is, you see. Vision. Cool. You know, Atmos. You see, you see with your vision. Yes. You see with your Atmos. Um, so an album by Lisa recorded in Dolby Atmos. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, come on. What is?" I literally said, what's this gimmick like? Who wants to listen to albums in Dolby Atmos? That's, you know, that I don't believe it's a thing. And three seconds later, so Sylvia and I are together. We're in the in bed watching TV. Three seconds later, get your music in Dolby Atmos exclusively on Amazon Echo Studio. And she turns to <laughs> me and says, see, they're doing... <laughs> They're doing this advanced stuff. Like, oh God. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. And the Echo Studio kind of... I just of like the C. C? <laughs> What's your HomePod do? Nothing. The Echo Studio kind of looks like a like a squished HomePod. Um, anyway. Yes. The icons are on sale. 50% off. Uh, you can use promo code BFICONS19. That's one nine as numbers. Um, to apply the discount. Uh, it's up today. It expires on Monday, and uh, it's. I guess it's the perfect time. You got a uh, holiday break. You can. Uh, John, our friend John Voorhees, uh, went through this process himself. He reorganized his home screens, reorganized his shortcuts library. So it's a mm. good time to reorganize things. Uh, choose a few shortcuts, apply a few custom icons, and you have a much prettier home screen. Uh, I need to let you all know that we have gotten several emails from people who have also emailed the Apple trailers. What? Email? No. Oh, no, they did. <laughs> this wasn't something I was expecting that but should have assumed. Poor person <laughs> yeah. working Uh-oh. on that team. So I've gotten a couple of emails about it. And, you know, most of the time it's like, a, hey, thanks for checking out the website. But one person wrote in, uh, listener Chris, wrote to the trailers team and said, you were mentioned on the Connected Podcast. And that probably explains why you're getting email. And, uh, you know. Uh, we've been skit. We've been, we snitched. Chris, you're snitched. Yeah. He read us out. And then Eddie Q replied. What? Not, well, well, movie trailers no, at trailers at Mac.com. But, you know, it's, it's, it's Eddie. Oh, I was going to say, geez. <laughs> I got escalated. We didn't catch that podcast episode, period. Space, space. No. Can you tell us what episode it was that iTunes trailers was mentioned? Question mark. Space, space. 
Thank you for being a fan of the oh site God. and for the heads up. This is totally to- Double spaces in an email? <laughs> double space. And then Chris and responded with an overcast him. link. So anyways, uh, so now Apple knows about us and, you know, it's over. Well, oh, they already knew about us enough to to you know feature us on stage with our good old friend Timmy Tim Tim. Yeah, but now they but now they know about the terrible things we do. That's say. the problem, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's the issue. Well, at least we got in. Well, right, we got we got the artwork in before they yeah. found this out. You know. Yeah. Well, I guess, gentlemen, it's been an honor uh, to do the show. We can do like the quartet on the Titanic. Uh, you know, the movie when they sink with the ship. Uh, podcast on the way down. (laughs) I wanted to provide some follow out to upgrade episode 273. Uh, There's a really great conversation, Mike, uh, you and Jason had about Tim Cook taking Donald Trump to the Mac Pro factory and sort of the optics around that. That sentence. The fact that I have to say it. Out of context is madness. Uh, (laughs) But yes, sure. Uh, I, I was very, I had lots of thoughts that I needed to get out somewhere um, and convince Jason to allow me to do them. Uh, so if you want to hear what me and Jason had to say about that, which is a very it's a very complex set of feelings, uh, you can go listen to Upgrade 273. Yeah, I thought you did a good job handling it. We've had people ask us to talk about that. Basically, if if I were on Upgrade instead of Jason or instead of you, Mike, like the conversation would have been the same. My my thoughts align with y'all's. And I only have the energy for that yeah. one. So go listen to that. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Tim Cook has taken a lot of <laughs> antacid when that meeting was over. All right. We have a bunch of stuff to talk about. TVs, HomeKit, Deep Fusion, all sorts of things. Thanksgiving. But I want to tell you about our first sponsor, and that is Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, a selection of award-winning templates, and much more. Websites are a lot more than just a contact page and some pictures. Maybe you need an online store or a portfolio to show off your work, or maybe you want to host a blog or a podcast, where Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of that stuff. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. There are no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you have any questions. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've used Squarespace for a bunch of projects over the years. And one of my favorite things about it is how simple it is to get what you want visually. You can drag and drop pictures and text, and you can set all these different styles for things all within the browser. You don't have to to end up in a text editor somewhere. You can do it all uh, with your mouse. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash connected. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Not only is it Teachy Friday, it's Black Friday, and I finally bought a television. Like for the first time ever? 
Well, no. Do you remember I was going to buy a TV like a year ago and, and just didn't do it? I thought you did buy a TV a year ago. No, I didn't. I wanted to, but I never got around to it. I was waiting. This makes me feel better because I thought you had just bought one. Like, seriously, you guys like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? We spoke about it. I don't it. remember. We spoke about it whenever Eurovision was. I think it was in like February or something. Yeah, we d- we did. May. It was in May. And I didn't buy one in the end because I just wasn't sure what features were going to be uh, in what TV, right? Do you remember there was like this, just like, oh, the HomeKit stuff hadn't come out yet. And all the companies were like, oh, it will just be in our 2019 TV. It's like, what does that mean, right? Like you, no one was being clear. Uh, that stuff is all taken care of now. And I bought a TV and it arrived today. Mm. Um, I bought an LG TV. I bought the 55-inch E9 OLED TV. Okay. There's a lot to... Basically, the, the LG have two major lines right now, the C9 and the E9. Mm-hmm. Um, for as much as I can tell, the only differences between the C9 and the E9 are the way they look. Um, and I love the way this TV looks. So if you look at some of the images I put in the show notes, the stand is all on the back of this TV. Right. There's no stand on the front of this TV. That's real nice. So like, it's very nice. So it just sits on the like whatever you have it on, and it just looks like it's just there, right? Like there's no stand. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, I like the remote a lot. Um, it comes with the WebOS nice. stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm still trying to navigate the WebOS stuff because I'm a little bit confused by some of it. Like it isn't super easy to switch inputs and I'm, I'm i've only spent like an hour or two with it and i i can see that i can get what i want i'm just gonna have to take some time to customize it mm-hmm. i'm not a hundred percent sure i'm keeping this tv yet though that's the problem so we have two things one it's very very big it's very very big boys it's a big tv i sent you a picture uh it's yeah. massive uh wasn't expecting that you want a big tv i bought a big tv and i got a big tv but you know sometimes you see a thing you measure it and you think you know what it's gonna be look how beautiful that is in that photo it's perfect it's a very it's a beautiful tv but it's it's just very big and so like we just need to make sure that we're happy with the size of it plus uh adina felt a little motion sick when i was setting it up so we just need to like it might be too much it we're not sure yet uh we need to spend a little bit more time with it but oh my god oh my god it's amazing i played some of uh for all mankind because mm-hmm. when i when i plugged in the apple tv it was like oh hey you can do the dolby and i assume it was the yeah. vision i don't remember now dolby. yeah yeah the menus look, <laughs> they look unbelievable. Better, right? The colors yeah, are so much better. Yeah, the colors, the crispness, and then I played some of For All Mankind, and with like the HDR and the Dolby stuff, it looked fantastic. Like so good. Everything was darker, but in a good way. You know what I mean? And like, and what was dark was like pitch black, right? Like it's like true the OLED black. Mm-hmm. Um, it has HomeKit. And AirPlay, that was all awesome. I'm able to watch, uh, you know, I could, it has a pretty decent YouTube app. It like basically is the exact same app with a few better features that the Apple TV one has. The YouTube and, app of WebOS is so much better than the Apple yeah. TV one. You can do 4K. And I can watch I, stuff in 4K, which is like the main thing that I was looking yeah. for from it, right? I see this in, in my picture, your content test. I assume the first thing you tried was watching one of my videos in 4K. Let's say it was at least the second thing. Oh. 
Wow. I still that's, did it, though. I went rough. to see how good you looked, and you looked really good. That's yeah. rough. Look, yeah. you came after MKBHD. Now, I didn't know if you even shot in 4K, but yeah, I knew he did. I do. Right? For, 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 like, for like a year and a half. Well, now I know. And I, do you know how I know? Because I test... No, I know you shoot. I didn't know you yeah, uploaded in 4K. I've never seen it. I've never had the option. I watch all of your stuff on my iPad or on my Apple TV. I didn't know you are in 4K. Yeah. The only... T- I can't ever watch it either. It's like, oh, I assume this is fine. Yeah. It looks amazing. The 4K is so good. The TV, I think it is sized appropriately for the piece of furniture it's on. That is true. It, but it is potentially not sized appropriately for how close we are to it. That's the yeah. Say, I've been in this room, yes. and it, it seems like a lot of TV. But you know, give it a it's little, a give it a little time. I would make sure we're going to. You know that you don't have any settings that could be aggravating her motion sickness. Adina um, didn't like when I was zipping around the mm. menus, and I think that might have been the problem. And also, it's it's very bright this TV, so we're having to try and like find a brightness level, which is a bit more comfortable um but it is stunning and i love being able to ask the home pod to turn the tv on and like i can set it into my like all of my scenes and stuff right so when i say good night it can like turn it all off like it's really just it's very awesome uh so when you watched uh for all mankind do you remember if it was dolby vision or just hdr so in the top right corner you should see a notification oh i'd I didn't. Mm. Mm, I think it said well from the TV. Yeah, the TV. Not from the Apple. TV when you load content. It, it said it said Dolby Vision. I think. Interesting. So I saw Nilay Patel tweet about this a few days ago. I have the same issue. Mm. When I started watching the Apple TV Plus shows, they were all in Dolby Vision, and my TV shows me I have a WebOS TV, and in the top right corner, when you load content. Um, such as a TV show that supports Dolby Atmos and Vision, you'll get two little banners that say Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision. But for starting from episode five of both The Morning Show and For All Mankind, uh, Dolby Vision was gone, and I only get standard HDR. So I saw Nilay Patel tweet about the very same exact problem, also happened to me, so I wonder what's going on. I don't know, but I know it looked good, right? <laughs> the HDR. It does look good. Because but, also, you it's, know. I, know, I know it's a good 4K source that's coming from Apple too, right? So, that, you know, I'm, I might be... I, I will have to try that out more and can report back, but it may have... Mm-hmm. I definitely saw the notification for the Dolby, but it could have been just with the menus or something. I don't know. But I, I know that it can do it. But I just know it looks fantastic. The sound is very good on this TV, but I use um, I use the home pods most of the time. But when I'm watching YouTube videos, I can't do that. Uh, the AirPlay stuff is really interesting because it looks like an Apple menu inside of WebOS. It's fascinating. Like when you can go in, you can go into the TV and change some settings around AirPlay and the HomeKit stuff, and it looks like Apple built the UI, which is really interesting. Do you have this on your TV, Federico? No, I do not have um, native HomeKit and AirPlay. I needed to okay. add them uh, via HomeBridge. HomeBridge. So this is built into this TV, right? So like you get the QR code, you scan it, and it, I had to scan it four times before it would work, of course. Um, and But then the settings on the TV look like the Apple TV, 
Like it's like the huh. Apple TV UI <laughs> with the way that the settings look. But none of the other, no, nothing else on the TV looks like that. So it's kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to get get my head around things. I'm I'm a little upset that the uh, Apple TV isn't turning on this TV anymore. It will turn it off, but it won't yeah. turn it on. I was one of those people that could could make that work. Um, but this, the TV also told me, the TV likes to tell me lots of things. The TV told me that it could, uh, <laughs> that sounds so strange, uh, that it could control my Apple TV, but I have to set that up. So I might try that out. Um, what else did I like? Oh, you you can wave the remote around like, a, and it moves the cursor on the TV. Yes, yes. Mine has the same remote. Which is super awesome. And so weird, but a great way to... You, and it has a little scroll wheel, a physical scroll wheel on yes. the remote control. That's my favorite remote. And I know it's a plastic thing full of buttons. It's a great remote. But I'll tell you what, in two years, that remote has been used thousands of times, not a single issue. I can feel every section of the remote <laughs> by hand. Uh, the Apple TV remote is, uh, uh, on the other hand... You touch it ever so accidentally, and it quits the TV show you're watching, and it goes back to the menu or whatever. Like the WebOS remote is good. It's a plastic remote with tons of buttons, but it's good. It's got colors. You know these things. Are yep. p- this thing that people people see called color. Well, this remote has it. It has a it has a Netflix button and a Prime Video button. Yes. I wish it didn't have the Prime Video button. I would like a YouTube button. Honestly, That's called the but, Jack Ryan button. <laughs> uh, it had ads. The TV had ads in it, but I found a way to turn those off. So that was, mm-hmm. that was good. Um, Life is like, what about? I was like, okay, I need to find something that says personalization, and I was correct. It's called TV personalization or something like that. I was like, no, don't want the ads. Thank you, LG. I paid you a lot of money for this TV. I don't need your ads. Um, but they could, I, the fact that I could turn them off, fine. Right, like I'm happy with that. You let me turn them off. Uh, I have a question for you too. I don't know if you know. Aside from Apple, do any other companies have the ability to or do their streaming stuff in 4K? Netflix does, right, on the Apple TV? That's 4K, isn't it? Yeah, they do. It's 4K. I'm not sure if it's Dolby Vision. I don't though. think it is, but I could be. Okay. I'm just double-checking that like I can... Uh, I'm able to. Ju- I don't have to use the TV's app to watch that stuff. I can keep using the Apple TV. Is one is one on one. Yeah, and I, I don't know about Hulu. Yeah, uh, yeah. or others, but now nah, we don't get that mm. nonsense here. Well, maybe one day. Mm. I wish we could. Um, hopefully, maybe. Well, we'll get Disney Plus in March. But not that it matters because people won't stop spoiling the Mandalorian. They just won't stop. Yeah, people little, won't stop. Uh, baby Yoda. Yeah, let's just get the scale of your tweets out. So happy. Thank you. But yeah, love my new TV, but we might not be keeping the new TV. I will follow up on to whether we keep okay. the new TV. Also, we started watching The Watchmen. It's really good. People aren't joking. What is The Watchmen? It's like Batman. It is a HBO show based About people on... buying watches? Yeah. <laughs> no, it is based on a, a very gritty superhero comic called The Watchmen, but it's based many, many years after. Um, I love it. It's fantastic. Basically, Batman and the X-Men hang out, so... It's not true, but thank you for that. I'm not sure why this next thing wasn't in follow-up. I think it just like fell victim to our Google Doc, but uh, we had talked about HomeKit Secure Video. Well, technically, technically what I just did was follow-up from May. Yeah, I mean, everything is so. follow-up at some, at some level, but this feels pretty mm-hmm. follow-up-y. So we were talking about 
the videos that home kit secure did you just say follow up Fo- f- yeah. as, as an adjective yeah. follow up yeah. <laughs> okay follow follow up ask mm-hmm. follow up ask is nice that's very fancy yeah that's better than fo- follow up mm-hmm. i regret follow up Mm-hmm. What about like follow upable? No, that's like a different. Like, is this follow upable? I know, but just I'm. Yeah, no, that's what I'm asking. Like, it just I'm thinking of other words now that we can use. Follow up esque is nice. Yeah, follow up esque is good. I like that. We talked about the the storage situation with HomeKit Secure Video, and Chris found a screenshot of a slide from WWDC because I cannot find this on Apple's website, but. Uh, according to at least this slide from the summer, is that Home, Home Kit Secure Video has a 10-day recording. So past 10 days, it doesn't save them. It is not counted in your storage limit of your iCloud account. That makes no sense to me. Uh, and then some things we already knew. For the two gigabyte plan, you can have a single camera. For up to five cameras, you need a two terabyte plan. If you want more than five cameras, you're out of luck. So I don't, it's cool if it doesn't count against your storage. That would explain why I couldn't find it counted anywhere. But um, I haven't been able to, other than this slide, and I believe, like, I believe this is real. I'm not doubting uh, this follow-up, but I haven't found it in Apple's support site anywhere. But uh, in uh, I'm on whatever the newest beta of iOS 13.3 is, and all my problems remain. John Voorhees set up a second camera because he loves notifications so much, and <laughs> that's freaking out. He loves to watch people outside. That's what he loves. <laughs> he also loves punishment. He, he he loves when a single leaf falls from a tree and he uh, gets six notifications on its way down. I don't know what that says about his character. Yeah, but yes. I don't know. So uh, so there's that. And um, again, there's like router stuff and there's more HomeKit stuff coming. We just <laughs> haven't seen it yet. I, I think I, I kind of get the sense with HomeKit over the years that Basically, Apple announces, hey, HomeKit can do these things. And like they just told all these partners the day before. And it's like, oh, check back in nine months. <laughs> like like when Google shut down the Nest thing, right? No, that was they terrible. Just, they found out yeah, during like, the uh, event. What? <laughs> My entire company's built on that. No! <laughs> oh, it's not, it's not funny. It's not, it's actually yeah, I mean, like, I, I really still want this to work. I would love to move to this at some point. But... Um, all the problems remain as we spoke about last time. So this, I think, will be something that we check in on because it's a really interesting part of HomeKit, right? Like it's it's really cool the way Apple's doing this. It'd be cooler if it worked. That's what I'm saying. Next follow-up slash tiny topic, the iPhone 11 Pro battery case, which went for sale during our episode last week. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then... Uh, it was very, very emotional it was, time for me. <laughs> you know i (laughs) it was also funny because it also went on sale like it was uh during Mm -hmm. dubai friday it happened on that show too so now i know that we record at the same time as them because i I I texted alex and in the episode they say oh steven texted me and this thing is real um so i i wanted to uh just share a little story because i was tweeting about this and i feel like I, i i should tell the whole story so I live in Memphis. FedEx, the shipping company, like its international headquarters is here. It's like 15 minutes from my house. Uh, Mike, you've been in and out of the Memphis airport a bunch. Most of the Memphis airport. Yep. They have like a whole <laughs> yeah. fleet of planes. Just The majority the of the airport the in Memphis is FedEx planes. You would think FedEx uh, pretty good. Pretty good Memphis. It's not good. So I've had this happen a couple of times. It happened with the battery case where 
I've got the tracking number. A lot of Apple stuff ships from really close or from Memphis itself. So a lot of times if I order not a computer, but like an accessory or, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe an iPad, but, you know, sort of lower end stuff. Very often I get it the next day without paying rush shipping because it's just it's like coming from in town already because they stage a lot of stuff here. And that was true with the battery case. I was going to get it the next day. Uh, I was like, sweet, I'm going to get it early. If I am the first among my friends to do it, I may put a blog post or a video together real quick walking through it. Like I could be first or, you know, early. So uh, I've got the deliveries app. It's, it's out for delivery. It's delivered when I'm at lunch with a friend. So I'm like, great. Uh, I'll come home and I'll get it and I'll do something with it. Uh, but then I realized my, I have a um, um, security camera that sees people as they approach the front door. And I set it to send notifications because I'm not home. And uh, oh, that's weird. The, the Nest didn't go off. But, you know, maybe maybe Nest and HomeKit got drunk on my network and just decided not to work. So uh, I was like, well, it's probably there. So I get home. Of course, it's not, it's not home, right? It's nowhere. So you do the deal where you call FedEx, you prove it's your address. Like, oh, well, uh, you know, someone will reach out to you. I never heard from any Never heard from anybody again. Like a week later, FedEx has yet to call me back about this lost case. And I haven't reported I haven't reported it to them wow. that it was delivered to the wrong address. In my neighborhood, it's very common. In a lot of neighborhoods, I think, where the street numbers are repeated. So like my street address, say it's 1234 Street. Well, the next street over, there's a 123 Avenue, right? And then two streets down, 123 something else, right? It's The numbers are reused. And I think what happened, because it's happened before, is that the house address was right, but the street was wrong. And sure enough, at like 10 o'clock that night, a guy who lives in the next street over like pulled up in front of my house and like knocked on the door and had my battery case. Oh, this was delivered to my house, but it's your address. So I have it. Huh. That's friendly. <laughs> and we can talk about this feelings, but it was just like a kind of a frustrating day. It's like, come on, come on, FedEx. Pull it together. Did he open it, the guy? No, no. It? And he was super nice. He's like, yeah, you know, it happens to me sometimes. It's, it's, you know, like doing the world a favor. Did you tell him about his, about your website? No. I was like, oh, good. I can make a YouTube video. Did you mm. say, thank you, this is for my work? <laughs> I did, no. I was like, oh, thanks. And uh, <laughs> I was talking to my wife about it. And Apple stuff ships, at least a lot of stuff, ships from AI. Like, that's how they label themselves on the return address so it doesn't say apple right people are like oh it's a iphone mm. yeah there's a yeah. they have like a weird name in the uk yeah, that's a like police synchronicity album, or sure. something like it's really weird that's true that's a good record well you know whatever ai is also artificial intelligence what do you want from me the police record it's good anyways i'm old very old. You have a police record. Hey, I'm no. sorry. <laughs> hey, that Sting and Shaggy, are, they're a duo now. Are they? Isn't that like the weirdest thing you've ever heard? Are they really? They have an album together. They have a tour and everything. Shaggy and Sting. Is it called the, the Sting and Shaggy album? Like, is that the actual name? Well, let me find out. Sting, Shaggy. It should be called the Sting. Lit, like with the Sting and Shaggy album, that should be the name. Uh, no, it's called Forty Four Eight Seventy Six. I'm, I'm listening to part of it on YouTube very quietly, and it is something. <laughs> Isn't it just like super weird? It got four point eight on Pitchfork. I'm assuming this YouTube that's video out of has twenty one million views. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Right, because it's Sting and Shaggy. What? Like you like hang on a second, this can't be true. Like people do what you just did. No. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand. I, I This when video I, is very intense. I said this to uh I told Like are they friends? Like why? Well this I told my brother about this and he's like, Does Shaggy have something on Sting? Like he has like <laughs> some <laughs> secret. <laughs> why do, I just don't under, I mean you've got to assume they're friends, right? They're like he didn't make an album of his enemy, but like what a what a, just what a weird thing to have happened in this world it's kind of beautiful anyways stranger things have happened so uh so the battery case is here it's it's nice it's like the old battery case but with the camera button mike what are your feelings i got the pink one yeah how's that is it like very much oh it looks really good with the green uh i tweeted a a little video of me clicking the button and twitter marked it as sensitive content which was fun i mean that button is pretty nice well i think it's the flesh color it's the main problem yeah yeah, yeah, that was that was a funny that was funny for me. Uh, the button is great. I was not expecting it to be an actual the camera button. I'm talking about. I wasn't expecting it to be a thing that would actually click. Hey. Like I didn't think it'd be a real button. Is it great though? <laughs> yeah, yours is well, broken. Well, you've had problems. I like it a lot. Uh, I like it a lot. You hold it for a second. It opens the camera app, and then you can just click. See, it. that's the problem. You should. You're not supposed to hold it for a second. Like. When you when you click a button, it should perform the function when you click it, not when you hold it. Well, some buttons are click and hold. I mean, if you're coming from like a lock screen, I mean, I tell you why I would want it to click and hold because otherwise it would be clicking all the time in my pocket and then it would be open all the time. Bingo. Nah, nah. How are you gonna click a button in your pocket? That's not gonna happen. You don't know about me. I put my hands in my pockets. I don't know. But anyway, I like it. I like that it's there. I think it's a good feature to have. I had the battery case regardless when I travel, and now I've also got a little camera button to click, click whenever I want. Also, it was kind of funny. The first time I plugged it in, uh, the battery widget said, just called the battery case generic UPS, which I just thought was hilarious. Wow. I hope you kept the name. Uh, Can you name them? I don't think you can rename the case. That's one of those things, though. iOS didn't make up those words, right? A developer told iOS... If you're plugged into a battery and you don't know what it is, name it generic UPS. <laughs> it's a generic UPS. Yeah, it's smart battery case now, but for, for a short time, it was generic UPS. I had a bit of an identity crisis at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what I am. I'm just a <laughs> What am I? UPS. Am I smart? I and don't then, know. And then the iPhone was like, no, you're better than this. You're better than this. You're a smart battery case. You're not generic. You're smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I got one. Uh, I I don't love the button. Uh, I I thought I was going crazy until I realized, oh, you're supposed to hold it for like a fraction of a second. I was just clicking it like real fast and nothing happened and I thought it was broken. And then I realized you were supposed to click and hold. Again, just to say, just in case people don't, this is purely to open it. Once you've opened the camera app, a click just takes a photo, but it's, you have to press and hold. We should clarify because uh, I know I've gotten too many tweets about this. Uh, no, it's not a button that just snaps a photo. Uh, and yes, I am aware that the volume button button can snap a picture. This one actually opens the camera, whether you're using the phone or you're on the lock screen or the phone is and locked. it's in a much better place for use, yes. like where a camera button would be. Um, yeah, and also it is not a... Um, this is in a bad way. It is not a button that just operates the shutter because it doesn't work in third-party apps so if you open like a third-party camera app and press the button it will not take a photo 
And if you are on the video screen and you press the camera button in the camera app, in the Apple's camera app, it will not start a video. It is very hard-coded, this thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy it's there. It's an additional feature on a product that I would want to use in certain circumstances anyway. I'm not an all-day, everyday uh, battery case person. I am a travel battery case person. And now I'm happy that I just have this additional function. Yeah, I'm keeping it on. Uh, I know that I said... What about the Bilroy? What about the uh, the bulletproof one? Yeah, the tiny knife case. That that one I would only keep for my knife fights, uh, just to be sure. And the, and when you want to be extra stylish. Yeah, exactly. When you know, yeah. with, the, with the fiber. Um, uh-huh. But no, I'm I'm using the wallet case when I go out. So when I go out, it's wallet case all the time. But even around the house, I it's just nice to all be always charged. You know, it's it's like you you are, it's like a metaphor of youth. In this case, you always have energy, like at any point during the day. And it's like, yes, I like it. Like it's five a.m. and you're still going strong. Yes, I love it. Like, you know. It's a bit heavier, but I don't know. I don't know if, if it'll stay on until next July or whatever, but I like the feeling of it. It's There's always power. and uh, So it makes me feel safe. Gotta love the power. Gotta mm. fight the power, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Wow, that's a different thing. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. We all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, But did you know it could take your media consumption, your TV watching to the next level by unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? Uh, That means you can use ExpressVPN to binge the Doctor Who or Star Trek on the UK version of Netflix. Just fire up ExpressVPN and change your location to the UK and refresh Netflix. That's all you got to do. ExpressVPN hides your IP address so you can control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost a hundred different countries. Just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through on your holiday break. So if you love anime, you can use ExpressVPN to access Netflix in Japan. Uh, But of course, it works with a bunch of streaming services, Hulu, the BBC iPlayer, YouTube, whatever you want. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast, which you you want when you're streaming media, right? You don't want that buffering. Uh, You don't want the lag and you can stream in HD. ExpressVPN is compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want wherever you are. I've used ExpressVPN for a long time now, and they're not joking about the speed. I've used other VPN services. When you turn it on, you feel like your, your whole experience on your device is getting slower and slower. Uh, but ExpressVPN is nice and snappy. If you visit a special link, expressvpn.com slash connected, you'll get three extra months free with a one-year package. So support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself. Expressvpn.com slash connected. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. Federico, can you explain this story about Deep Fusion and some apps seem to think they can see it, but Apple doesn't want them to? What what is happening here? So the the iOS metadata utility called Metafo uh, has been updated with support for night mode and deep fusion detection. Uh, this utility has been around for a few years now. Uh, you can use it as an as an app. You just open the app and you browse your photos, or you can use it as an extension in the Photos app, and it shows you metadata contained within photos. Uh, this is useful because 
in the Apple Photos app, the you can basically only see location metadata. You cannot see information about the camera model or the lens model or just the standard EXIF metadata information is not available in photos. And with Metaphor, you can take a look at these details. And in the you latest version... You can also version, change them too. You can good. also change them. You can also remove them if you want to share photos without location. So that's nice. Although you can also share photos without location in 13, but you know you, you got to know where to look. It's in the share sheet. Uh, in any case, in the latest version the developer of Metafo added support for detecting whether a photo was taken with deep fusion, in which case it'll say deeply fused, <laughs> or it was taken in... Yes, it was deeply fused, right? All right, it was deeply fused. Uh, or if it was taken in night mode. And apparently... So we asked the developer, uh, I know that John asked him, uh, it's using... It's looking at like flash information for deep fusion. I think, like something. I think, in, for, for in a nutshell, it's 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 there's something that the the iOS reports as to whether uh, the camera could have used flash but didn't. Right. Yes. And if uh, the photo has been indicated that a flash could have been used, and it is not a night mode photo, it is therefore in the ballpark of deep fusion would be detected because it's right. low light, but not night. Right. It's like an assumption. It's not like yeah. there's a hidden metadata that says with absolute is, certainty, yes. this is deep fusion, but you can extrapolate. It is much more complicated yeah. than that, but th- that is kind of like... You can set up if you... Yeah. Cliff notes of it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, the, so this works, I guess. I've been checking out some of my photos where I thought that Deep Fusion had been used, and sure enough, Metaphor says Deeply Fused, so that's nice. Um, I heard from Sebastian DeWitt, is one of the developers of Halide, the camera app, that they were also aware of sort of this workaround, but that they've been informed that it'll be, quote-unquote, fixed, uh, closed by Apple in the near future. So it's not something that we should expect to continue working. Um, I don't understand. So if this is the case, and I, I, don't, and I don't see why uh, Sebastian shouldn't, uh, should say something that is not true, um, why doesn't Apple want us to know whether a photo is using diffusion or not? Like, I get that it's a technical thing, and I get that they didn't want to make a big deal out of it. But if people want to know, then, like... Why why not have something in the metadata that says yes this is diffusion like just to make sure that it works just to see when it works I don't understand why they wouldn't mm-hmm. put it in the metadata it's not harming anyone it's interesting to have it there so you know because I honestly I think that there are some photos that deep fusion is making look worse of mine mm-hmm. I'm not so I'm not sure how I feel about it like just happening and there's nothing I can mm-hmm. do about it because I'm noticing some images they seem like they're way darker mm. in a way like they like the sharpness is maybe too much like I can't put my finger on it but I look at an image and I'm like that doesn't that just looks wrong like that doesn't look right there's something weird about this and I'm assuming it is when uh, Deep Fusion is, is kicking in because I've seen it do that thing where the image kind of snaps in place. Mm-hmm. 
you look at an image and it shakes or like you know it flashes basically and then it's different and i've seen images before and after that and sometimes i've not liked how they looked after but then it's like well well now what then it's reminding me a little bit of the hdr thing some people liked it some people didn't i'm not saying i don't like deep fusion but i'm noticing some instances where i think it maybe isn't as simple or as as good as it could be i don't know yeah, if that's the case, if that's how Apple thinks about it, then why would they want you to <laughs> – why make an album? I mean, mm-hmm. when they announced it, I assumed it would be like so many other things where it's just like a smart folder in photos, right? Like if I open photos, I can see all of my live photos, all my time lapses across any album they're in. And this, it feels conspicuously different. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there was this article on Bloomberg about Apple changing their methodology of internal testing – when it comes to iOS 14. There's also con- or comments in the story about how they're going to go back to iOS 12 and like, oh, it's going to be about stability. But then it, also we're going to have the same number of features and some features are in iOS 15. And like, I, this just seems like a mess. And it's it's early in the process for iOS 14. So I'm sure it is a mess. Uh, Federico, when you read this article, do you think like what they're doing seems reasonable? Like what would you want to see Apple change in this? Well, I, yeah, I don't think it's reasonable. I, I think I have a problem with this idea that every, every few years, a release of iOS has to be about stability. Sorry for a second. <clears throat> like why does it have to be about stability? Because you realize that the past couple of releases have been bad. Like it should be, Stability and performance should always be part of the software that you release. Like imagine if imagine if the articles that I publish on Mac Stories yeah. tend to be grammatically correct. And every couple of years I have one with tons of typos and tons of mistakes. And then I say, Oh, but yeah, but the next one will be about grammar and, and <laughs> fixing typos. Like, no, it should always be part of the process. I think one of the things that is maybe in this story that was different to iOS 12, I mean, I don't know, we didn't really get this kind of... Mm, the, the reports were different. Basically, this report is talking about an inter- another internal meeting at Apple uh, where they're basically saying, "All right, we have a compl- we're gonna we're gonna change our testing procedure." Where iOS twelve, like what was coming out, was like, "Oh, they're gonna spend this release really tightening things up, right?" Like that's kind of what we knew beforehand. Where this one is like, "Okay, before iOS fourteen, or as iOS fourteen is beginning to be worked on, Apple is changing the way that they're testing." And in a nutshell, they won't be allowing buggy parts of the operating system to make it into the daily bills that they send to their testers where previously that was mm-hmm. the case right like things would be committed in and it may bring the entire operating system down for a week in a bunch of areas and that means nothing can be tested but now they're going to be changing and allowing testers to then selectively add buggier features in so they can test them to see how they impact the rest of the operating system so it seemed like as i think maybe most people could have assumed there was a problem when it came to testing internally of iOS 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, the hope would be that it's less about, and I think that might be what that line is about, like iOS 13 is going to have as many, iOS 14 will have as many new features as iOS 13, is it's maybe not about making 14 mm-hmm. a stability release like 12 was, but about hopefully laying the foundations to ensure that Apple tests their stuff more thoroughly by not, by making it easier for their testers to work, right? That would be the hope. 
that yeah, this, like, what, what like this story is talking about. The idea from the article that engineers at Apple wouldn't install the latest version of a, of a daily build because they didn't want to deal with the bugs. Like, that's bad because it means you're not testing the software you're writing. It seems like potentially, I mean, I don't know, complete outside observer here, that, that they were deprioritizing mm-hmm. the work of their QA testers and were prioritizing fast, 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 feature, feature, feature. Right. And that it became a culture of, well, you can just add it to the daily build even if it's super broken. That's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Which is clearly not the way testing can be done. And now they've like had to take a look at that and they know how bad iOS 13 was. And so they're changing some of the ways that they're doing things, which I think is very positive to, to hear that they are doing that, right? That they have looked at it and they were like, you know what? This wasn't good enough. So we need to change something. And my hope would be that it's not going to like that oh they're gonna do a big stability release again it's like no we're gonna we're gonna go back to the drawing board about the way we work and change that um so that's that's my hope that's 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 my like positive takeaway from this is like they've looked at their systems internally they know that they're not going to provide them with the work quality that they want so they're going back to the drawing board and establishing some new processes and norms yeah clearly something was super broken and it doesn't surprise me if if this is accurate it doesn't surprise me that I'm not saying this is someone's fault or not someone else's fault, but that the process was broken in QA, right? There were so many things in iOS. So I was like, did no one even mm-hmm. test this like in, in just a simple, <laughs> simple way? And I hope that I hope a couple of things, a, that whatever they figure out, they stick with it, right? Instead of this sort of back and forth of features and stability and, you can have both. Now, now, it probably means you have fewer features than not everything is as crammed full as, you know, some people would like. But they've got to strike that balance. So that's what I hope that they, they work out a balance, they stick with it. Um, but also, I hope that they can do it in a way that goes beyond just iOS, because there surely there's a lot of bugs you can lay at the altar of iOS 13. But how much of things that people have been dealing with are actually where iOS 13 touches something else, right? Where, where it interacts with data on iCloud, or it's got to hand off something to the HomePod or TVOS mm-hmm. or with AirPlay or sync with the Mac, right? I feel like you can get iOS solid, but unless Apple really looks at all of their products holistically, I worry that the glue holding them together is still where things breakdown and and maybe their QA process maybe there are people who sort of straddle the the iOS and iCloud teams and they deal with where they interact but my sense is as just a user is that these things feel a little bit siloed and because of that you end up with these issues where well there's a bug and I, I, I as a user don't know if it's iOS or iCloud or something in between and I just hope Apple does because that's where a lot of these things have been frustrating for me at least this year. And I'm hopeful that whatever they implement can be broad enough to handle those sorts of bugs as well. Here, here. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, you know, I'm not a QA. QA Let's person. do something more positive. Okay. Shall we? It's, it's Thanksgiving season. Okay. Well, I think we should give thanks to some things. Hey, I'm the British person I mean, suggesting this. You like Thanksgiving, right? Like it's it's fine. I do. I'm I'm going to Thanksgiving. 
Are you? Are you coming over? <laughs> I yes. am going to Thanksgiving. Like it's I'm a, going yeah. to a Thanksgiving <laughs> meal at a restaurant. That's, That's how I'm we doing. would say. I'd say, oh, you're going to Thanksgiving? Like Thanksgiving is a situation. There you go. It's a thing. Anyways, so do we want to give tech thanks? Is what you want to do? I do, yeah. So, uh, so what tech thanks do you have for the Thanksgiving table? Well, I would like to take an ad break first. Oh, you want to give thanks to our sponsor, and then we'll do. Yeah, this was this was attempted to be a tease for a second. Yeah, I didn't pick up what you were putting down, but no, you didn't. Which is why we're now having this conversation. It's fine, and it's going to stay in because we show how the sausage is made. Yep. Yeah, of course we shouldn't, but we do. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Ahrefs. When you work for a big brand, or maybe you own a small business, or maybe you're a freelancer, wherever you fit in on that spectrum, getting traffic to your website to get eyeballs looking at your work is always a challenge. There's a lot of competition out there, and Ahrefs is the all-in-one SEO tool set to help solve that problem. It gives you what you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. I will admit, SEO is like a mystery to me, right? Like I know some of the simple things to do, but I took Ahrefs, have an account set up. I was looking at some things for Relay, and I was really surprised how easy it was to understand what they were reporting back to me and giving me steps to improve things. There's a lot of jargon in sort of this sphere, and I think a lot of people are turned off by that. But Ahrefs does a really good job at simplifying things. So uh, if this isn't your world, you can still operate within it and do what you need to do to make your website uh, more visible. Ahrefs uncovers your competitors, how they're getting traffic, and including like estimated search volumes using their keyword explorer tool. So you can make better decisions when it comes to sort of content you want to put on your website and any strategies you have around that. Ahrefs has a ton of useful stuff like a rank tracker, lets you track uh, progress on keywords, lets you pick up broken links and help fix them, all those tools you need to make sure your SEO is in good shape. So head on over to ahrefs.com, that's A-H-R-E-F-S.com, and sign up for their seven-day trial. It's just $7. Get reports on your website, see what's performing well, and figure out your next move. Whether you have a personal website you want to gain a following on or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales, head on over to hrefs.com to get that $7 seven-day trial. Our thanks to Ahrefs for their support of Connected and all of FM. Okay, now, tech thanks, Mike. Yeah, all right. So I thought I wanted to talk about some like smaller things mm. in my technology life. Mm. Mm-hmm. that make me happy every day right like i could talk about the fact that i love the uh camera on my iphone right but like, people know that or that i'm super happy with my iMac pro people know that stuff i want to talk about little things uh and they're all software related so one i just want to talk about the feeling of a perfectly executed shortcut no oh, boy do i get that <laughs> right when you have an idea and you make it and it works every single time it's like I made a shortcut that I was very happy with a couple of days ago, Federico. Mm. I think you might like it. I wanted to create a shortcut that I could activate on my iPhone and it would set a toggle timer mm-hmm. for the current show on my calendar mm-hmm. and then turn on Do Not Disturb for 90 minutes. So whenever I'm sitting down to record, I I press it, I press it, it looks at what is like the most current or the most recent um show recording on my calendar right adds that as a tag to a timery toggle timer 
and then sets my phone to do not set for 90 minutes. And it works every single time. And I love it. Right. And it's just like, oh, I built that. That's great. You know, so that, you know, a perfectly executed shortcut when you've made one and it works every time. Feels so good. I love both tap back reactions in iMessage and emoji reactions in Slack. Yes. Because sometimes you just want to show you seen something or Mm -hmm. you have a feeling, but you don't have something to say. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to be able to use those types of things. Uh, I've been using an app recently called Mood Path, which I like. It is a way for me to try and like think about how I'm feeling, right? It's like a mental health-based application. And it three times a day, it asks me a selection of questions, and I have to answer how I feel about what it's asking me. And it helps me think about some stuff and reflect on some things. It also has a bunch of like uh, articles and audio stuff that I haven't really dived into yet, but looks interesting, you know, like to help you think about stuff and think about your life and your mental health and stuff. So that's an app that's been on my home screen and I really like it. Uh, RSS. <laughs> I'm thankful for RSS. What a thing to say. Our entire company's built on it. I know. I am back on the RSS train. Yeah, I know. I, I thought about saying that. Yes, thank you, RSS, for your help in podcasting. But I mean purely as like a yeah. way to consume news. Good. Mm. I use Reader. Yes. I like it, right? Like, it, it it's just a way for me to feel like I can get all the information that I need without feeling the requirement to stay plugged into other fire hoses, right? Like with RSS, everything's just going to go in there and it'll be waiting for me when I go to it rather than if I go to like... If I go to Twitter, for example, mm-hmm. and I have to find all the news, right? Like, hopefully it's all there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I guess, you know what? You guys do know what I mean, because you've been doing it for the whole time. I never left. <laughs> you know, yeah, I never left, but I did leave. I use the email app Spark. Whilst I have many problems with Spark, because no email apps are good, um, I really like Spark's team sharing features. Uh, I've been using them since day one with Carrie, our sales manager, and it makes our working life so much better because an email can come in that I want her to, to like a lead comes in and I think she'd be the best person to pursue it. I can It, it comes to, as an email to me, but I can assign it to her and then she can just action it. And then we can have conversations with the email in line. I love all that stuff. Spark had an update. They made some stuff better. They made some stuff worse. Um, but, you know... That's email apps. Uh, Cursor support in iOS 13. I love it. I love it. I can use a mouse on my iPad. It's fantastic. It's how I did the show notes today. I have my iPad on a stand at eye height. I had the MX Master 3 mouse. I have my bridge keyboard detached from the iPad. And I was able to do the show notes at my desk with my nice chair in a good like position. And I think it's really great. These are some things that I am thankful for. That's a good list. Thank you. Um, I have two things that are tech-related and two things that are just things I'm grateful for because they exist, but are not necessarily tech-related. First of all, continuing on your theme of uh, shortcuts, I'm thankful for the sort of the the ecosystem of utilities that are um, developing around shortcuts because of iOS 13, because of parameters. I reviewed on Mac Stories Toolbox Pro a couple of weeks ago. Really, really a fantastic suit of enhancements for shortcuts. There's this beta. Um, it's an app called Data Jar, and it's made by Simon Stovering. He's the same developer of Scriptable and JSON. 
Um, and it's, it, <laughs> yeah, I know it's Jake sound. Uh, yes, it sounds like a person's name. Uh-huh. He, he's not a developer of a guy named Jason. <laughs> yeah. He's working very hard with Jason. That he's is just called, coming out of beta any day now. That is called being a parent, <laughs> but it's not that. Um, it's uh, uh, it, data jar is this. It takes this idea of like apps being capable of ex- exchanging data with shortcuts to the to the extreme, basically. It's uh, it, it's kind of hard to describe. It's a way for you to store things, like any kind of text or images or videos or documents, outside of shortcuts and retrieve them with a single action step. So it's a, it's a very basic way to, like, if you need to store, like, a PDF file that you want to retrieve often or like a series of, of, I don't know, maybe a username and a password, you know, all kinds of text items. Uh, because of parameters, you can now retrieve them and create them with data jar actions, super fast, super easy. There's a test flight beta. If you go search for, if you go search in Simon's Twitter timeline, I'm sure you will find the link. Um, and the second tech... It will be an... I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Thank somewhere. you. Thank you. The second thing I'm thankful for is actually Jason by Simon. Um, I've been... So I've, <laughs> Stop <laughs> confusing. Uh, so the, the app is spelled J-A-Y-S-O-N and it's a play on JSON, the dot .json, the file format. Um, I actually reviewed the app on Mac Stories back in January or February of 2019. And it's an app to inspect JSON dictionaries that are usually returned by web APIs. So if you're talking to a web service, to a web API, uh, the response is usually provided as a .json object. And JSON, you can inspect um, the traditional way. It's a bunch of text. Yeah, you invite him over um, and say, hey, I, I need to inspect you. <laughs> hey, let me inspect you, Jason. Um, <laughs> you you want to make sure that's consensual. With this app, with this app, you can do so uh, with, a, with a GUI. So mm. th- it's an actual interface with tabs and menus and expandable sections to browse the direct... the the structure of a JSON dictionary. And it's super well done. You can create split views inside the app. You can pass this content from shortcuts to the JSON app. Um, I've been working on two different kinds of advanced shortcuts lately, both for Club Max stories, actually. One is called Poketree, and it's a it's a Pokemon evolution checker <laughs> shortcut. It's very good. It's uh, very, Ma- very good. Mike has it. John has it. Um, it's, it talks to this web service called the Poke API uh, to let you see w- which evolutions. Assert. I'm sorry, Stephen. Mike will understand. Other people will understand. No, I'm I'm happy. For, I look. I'm happy for you on this Thanksgiving. I'm thankful. I'm okay. thankful for your happiness. I'm happy you're happy. It, but it's see basically it's a very complex API, and the object that it's returned by the API is very complex and tricky to understand. Also, I've been, this is actually coming on Friday. I've been working on Apple Music shortcuts, advanced Apple Music shortcuts that use the native Apple Music web API made by Apple, the music kit for the web. And uh, also in that case, the response that comes back from the web service is really complex and long and tricky to understand. But with JSON, it's super easy. So I'm thankful that the app exists. Um, 
two non-tech things. Uh, I'm playing Pokemon Sword. I'm in the post-game. I'm doing the meta post-game stuff. Um, and I'm just so thankful that as someone who's been out of the entire Pokemon scene since basically Ruby for the Game Boy Advance 15, 17 years ago, I missed the whole black and white, diamond and pearl, all of those generations. Um, I'm thankful that there's the communities around these games exist. And specifically, I want to call out a bunch of them. Uh, Cerebi, excellent resource, like the Pokemon website. If you're interested in any competitive Pokemon play, which I'm sort of getting into, I'm building a team. We'll see how it goes. Uh, this uh. is, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to have a battle, Mike, soon enough. See, see if my theories are no, correct. I'm not gonna. Oh no, I'm not gonna do it. I would have done it a couple of weeks ago, but now you've gone wild on it, and it's <laughs> it's impossible. You did this to me once before, and I won't fall for that again. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll try with John. Um, yeah, Cerebi. Oh, is the database for all kinds of stuff about Pokemon. The guy uh, who's been running, Joe Merrick, uh, Cerebi, for the past 15, 16, no, maybe more, 20, 20 years. Like, it's incredible. It's been around forever. I was a kid, and Cerebi was a thing, and it's even more of a thing now. It's really amazing. Smogon, it's another website. If you're interested in building a competitive Pokemon team, this is like Wikipedia for Pokemon nerds. It's amazing. Uh, you can calculate the effect of all kinds of moves it's wild there's a move calculator in there it's incredible what? yeah yeah man it's you gotta i'll send you some links you gotta see what i mean by looking at it like uh there's expl detailed explanations because you know there's tournaments for competitive pokemon play right um so there's analysis of each fight and there's like an, uh, there's like detailed breakdowns of each popular competitive pokemon team it's like an actual sports analysis, Jeez. but for... Yeah, it, it, like, it's an entire community of millions of people doing this. It's wild. And lastly, I want to call out... I mean, the Reddit communities are also pretty good, but I want to call out um, on YouTube... Um, I don't know if you're subscribed to this channel, Mike. He does a lot of Nintendo content. Uh, Austin John Plays uh is a is a youtuber he does nintendo focused content uh is he did excellent videos for breath of the wild on switch uh, a few years ago that i used a lot and he's doing a whole daily series on pokemon sword and shield Starting from the basics uh, to the advanced stuff, to the competitive stuff, to where you can find objects and items and evolutions, he does great work. Really, really great work explained well, which is also important to me. Finally, uh, Mr. Robot, the final season. Uh, I know so that good. Steven also, also likes it. Uh, it's so good. It's getting. I, the show is ending on December 30th, the final episode of the entire series. Will will air uh, just before the end of the year. I had high expectations for this final season, and each episode is getting better and better. Oh, I'm like, pleased that it's good. I've never oh watched my. Mr. Robot. Adina likes it. Oh uh, my! I'm just. I know it's been going on for a long time, so I'm pleased to hear that yeah. people still like it in its final season, which is a rarer and rarer thing. They had a two year break, which also uh, makes it. It's only four seasons, but it started five years ago six years ago so it's it's been spaced out but yeah if 
It seems like it's a very stressful. It can show. be. Is that right? Yeah, especially the. I mean, no spoilers, but especially with the last couple of episodes, there's a major reveal, and I know that it's been hard for a lot of people. It's been challenging for a lot of people, and that's why there are always like um, uh, these messages at the end of especially in this final season at the end of the episode like if you're seeking help uh like phone numbers and websites where you can go because yeah, it's, it's dark it. at times yeah. no, i'm good i'm so, good i'm good uh, i'm good but, I'm, good. but <laughs> I'm just gonna i'm just gonna say though that with this major reveal once you know and you go back and you see how the um what's his name sam Esmail, uh the creator knew since the very first episode that this was gonna happen it's not like you know many tv shows there's a major reveal and it's sort of been retrofitted to work with the story, but the creators didn't have mm-hmm. it in mind when they started. But in this case, it was right there from the beginning. It was in front of our face the whole time. And it's just mat- masterfully executed. So, and I mean, plus, you know, the performance of, of the, the, the entire cast really, it's just incredible. So I'm thankful that the show exists, but I'm sad that it's ending at the same time. I guess I'm grumpy because Shortcuts is not on my list. Sorry, guys. Well, you can be thankful for Automator. Sure. Uh, they haven't killed Automator yet. Yep. Uh, one is just like when things sync correctly, right? When that little joy where you upload something on your computer and then you check on your phone later and it's there and you don't have to wait. That's something that, you know, we don't get all the time and it's nice when it works, especially someone who uses Dropbox every day for work. Like just knowing that that's reliable makes makes me happy. Also, the the HomePod handoff, like to to have music or a podcast playing and then you put your phone at the top of the HomePod and it moves over and it moves back when you do it again. I'm using that all the time. Mm. I I really like it. Oh, cool. I've completely forgotten that that feature existed until you just mentioned it. It's it's great. I use it all the time. If I'm listening to something like maybe in the yard, if I'm doing yard work and want to come in and finish it or listening to a podcast in the car, I want to complete it, you know, when I go inside – it's just, it's really nice. It works all the time. Like it seems really bulletproof. And I've been, I've really been enjoying that a lot. You, when you said little things, it made me think about this. Uh, the headphone amp I use has really satisfying switches on the back of it to turn it on and off. I'm touching them now. I'm not going to press them because I want to still be able to hear y'all. But there's very satisfying toggle switches that make a nice sound and they feel good. And I don't know, it's just, I use them, you know. Some days, multiple times a day, and it's just a really nice little thing. Mm-hmm. Good, good switches, good buttons. I like them. Good buttons are a good thing. All right. I think that does it for this week's episode. We have one more thing we're going to do at the end, but we're putting it at the end because it's not everyone's cup of tea. Okay. Well, wait, wait, hold on a second. We should say we're thankful for our listeners. You know, we, we shouldn't take them for granted. We're actually pretty lucky that we get to do this and that we have people following our dumb jokes and sometimes intelligent opinions, I hope. Well said. So thank you. You know, If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, like uh, all the PopSocket stuff or Mike's TV, anything else, uh, those links are collected for you over at relay.fm slash connected slash 271. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow-up, or you can follow links to our Twitter pages. So you can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is the host of a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM, so go check those out. This week, you've published Upgrade and Cortex, I saw, and you were a guest on Focus, so you've been 
all over the place this week. Oh, and the pen addict will be out soon. All the all the great oh, busy, busy boy over here. Yes. Making podcasts. You can find Federico on Twitter as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. If you haven't checked out those home screen icons, like there's no excuse now that they're that they're uh on sale. So they're really awesome. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and I write 512pixels.net. Uh, I will say I'm have I have a YouTube video coming to 512pixels on Black Friday, but it is not a Black Friday video. It's not it's not about deals. Oh, I see what you've done. That's clever. I know what the video is. So that's uh, uh that's coming Friday, so look for that. Um just about done with it. So I guess got to wrap this up after mm-hmm. I uh edit the show. It's uh, Stevens doing a rendition of the Rebe- Rebecca Black song Friday, so everyone can look forward to that. Uh, so anyways, you can find all those links, find all that stuff, relay.fm slash connected slash 271. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Squarespace, ExpressVPN, and Ahrefs. And now we're going to talk about the Tesla Cybertruck. Why are we doing this? Why, we've never done this before. Why are we doing this? I want to talk about it. I don't have any place to do it. So Okay, that's cool. Now, that is a perfectly valid reason. Yeah. I just wondered why yeah. I accept that. Is this, is this fake ATP? It is. Is this what we're going to uh-huh. Okay. Can I be John and have wrong opinions about food? Yeah, you're John, I'm Casey, and Steven's Marco. I think that's how that works. Yes, that... Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh no, my computer's broken. <laughs> Buy two new ones. Ah. No, no, my my grandma used to make real Italian American food. <laughs> <laughs> See, we can do it. Uh, want to talk about, yeah, we'll talk about Mac yeah. Pro. That's I'm not going to buy one, yeah. but I'm totally going to buy one. <laughs> Are you going to buy one? <laughs> That's Marco, not Steven. That's confusing. Okay, so they announced this last week. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows Tesla's building a truck. It's called the Cybertruck. It has a very distinctive look. They talked about Tesla things, including how many motors it has and the high speed and how fast you get to 60, which doesn't matter in a pickup truck. We're talking about Tesla, not ATP anymore, right? Switched gears. Okay, cool. Unlike a Tesla, which doesn't have a transmission. Yeah, Elon. It. Hey yo. Okay, Hey-o. so Mike, you don't drive. You, y'all don't have a car. I'm. Go- we are gonna though next year. That's the plan. We want to get a car. Are you gonna buy a Cybertruck? Oh, is the Cybertruck gonna be your first car? I wanted to get an electric car, but we have underground parking, and there are no outlets. Oh there no. So I wanted to skip gas completely. Yeah. Can you go to your, I don't know your situation. Can you go to your homeowners association or the whoever and be like, put outlets in? It has it has been brought up by many okay. people and is apparently being looked at, but I do not have any faith in it happening. I do drive. I drive a pickup truck. Unlike every other podcast and YouTube video I've seen, I actually drive a truck. And so I have my opinions are, are based on that. That's why we're doing this. That's why. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the trucky stuff. But first, I want to talk about the looks because that's the most obvious thing. Uh, Federico, how does this strike you? It's ugly. Like, I I, I just... It's terrible. And I think, and I think, so here's my problem. Um, Well, more than one problem. And I'm trying to put this lightly. I don't like the culture of of Elon Musk bros that I see on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't get yep. 
no. I get the fascination with a person who is an innovator, who likes to try new ideas, who likes to go beyond the rules. I can understand that. I don't like the fixation of it. I don't like the absolute, um, almost like godlike reverence that some people it's a have. Cult. It's a, it, it does feel like a cult. Can I ask you a question? And I'm not trying to trip you up. And I think we've touched on this before. Yeah, but yeah I know where you're going. What makes Elon different to Steve? Because like the idea of the cult-like following and the godlike thinking could all like we all did it for steve jobs mm-hmm. yeah 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 like was i think part of the difference is that elon tweets and i yes. wonder what it would have been like if jobs tweeted. not yeah good, i think probably it, i think it's uh, <laughs> right i think it's uh yeah for me that's part of the issue like the idea of this exposure that we have to somebody's unfiltered thoughts elon elon does not elon does not allow for his thoughts to be filtered either right like and a, he should you know like Sacha Nadella, everyone sh- and tim cook everyone's checking those tweets right and i don't like that i like some people love the oh he's just speaking his mind no i don't like that you're a public figure you're not supposed to speak your mind and reply to randos on twitter that's like i don't personally i may be wrong but it's what i think i don't think it's classy i don't think it's elegant i think it, you just make uh-huh. yourself look like a fool and there's times with musk in particular where he does that and he's nasty right and i think that and we we all knew yeah yeah right when when he called i mean when he called the guy that word like the, you know that was awful and, like and jobs was that way right like you hear stories about him being very angry with people but to mike's point it wasn't in public and it wasn't to random people right if you were in jobs orbit right. part of that understanding was he could lash out at me, right? And I'm not saying he should have. I'm not saying... I'm not even saying that Jobs was like a better person than Elon Musk. I don't know either of the men. I can't judge their character. But from what we see on Twitter, Musk is a bit of a loose cannon. And that's uh, that's hard for me to to reconcile. And there's always stories... And there's, there's stories from Tesla and SpaceX about the culture of the companies and the like the work, the hours that are demanded and sometimes lack safety policy and... Uh, there's a lot of things that the culture around him feels immature and maybe even reckless in a sense that like, I never got from Apple. Anyways, I did not mean to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So no, I was I was saying um, that uh, what I mostly don't like are two things. One is the fact that if you ever disagree with this in public, which is why I don't tweet about Elon or Tesla anymore, you get all kinds of nasty people from Twitter attacking you and I don't like that and there's the off chance that Elon himself will reply to you and at the point you might as well suspend your own Twitter account uh, so mm-hmm. you gotta go private yeah, for a week yeah. at that point uh, but really my main issue is the following the cyber track especially I feel like a lot of people have fallen into this delusion of thinking that all radical and different design is good design and I don't think just because you're different and breaking the rules, it's necessarily something that looks nice. And I feel like we're, uh, in this case of the Cybertruck, I believe it is an ugly object. It is visually unpleasant. It is uh, something that I would never, ever let other people see me drive. Um, and I don't know if I'm quite conveying the feelings that I have on this. It is the most horrific 
human-made vehicle I've ever seen in my life. It's not even funny. It's not even... It's, it's, <laughs> yes, I've seen people say, oh, this design should be celebrated. No, it's ugly. You need to understand that when something is ugly, you need to call it ugly. This is not beautiful in its own way. This is not beautiful because it's unique. This is not mm. beautiful because it's futuristic. This is an ugly object. <laughs> it's like, it's visually unpleasant. Can I, can I go now? No, I'll add one last point. I think it's important I go now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's ugly, but I like it. I can't help it. I like Duh. it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's. I know it's ugly. I look at it, and I know if I saw it in the street, I'd be scared of it. But I can't. I can't change who I am. Do you like it because you you like because you think it's it makes you more like? I have no opinion about why I like it. Like I can't tell you why. Like I don't like it because it's radical. I don't like it because it's different. I don't like it because it's daring. I think it's stupid that they made the design for all of those reasons. Like if they made it to be daring and different, it's just like mm, I don't know if that was the right move, or unless they were trying to do that for the point of standing out so people would buy the car. Because like as MKBHD did a good video, right? Where it's like if you made it look like a pickup truck, then people that buy pickup trucks probably wouldn't. If they're going to keep buying the same one every year, what? No, n- no, because people buy Teslas. It's a theory. Anyway, but yes, I agree with that point, right? People buy Teslas because they buy Teslas. I can't tell you why I like it, Federico, but it's grown on me. Like, I don't love it, but like at first I was like, that is hideous. And now I look at it and I'm like... You shouldn't. Like, try try to fix yourself of whatever predicament <laughs> you're in. You shouldn't like it. Uh, I can't, <laughs> you know, I don't... You shouldn't like this thing. I mean, I'm look not at going it. to these Just levels. look at it. Just look at it. I can't. It looks like a car from Stunt Race FX from the Super Nintendo. It's, no, those cars were actually it better. Does. Um, I can't. I can't help who I am. I am what I am. Like I look at this, and then I, I and I and then I think about the 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 amazing tradition of Italian brands that we have here, from Lamborghini to Maserati to Alfa Romeo to Ferrari. And you look at this, and you're like, who made this? Who's the... Who's the an American. What Amer- right? An American full mm-hmm. of himself made this. And you can see that in the design, right? Like, I agree with everything you are saying, but I can't... I look at it, and I'm like, it's kind of cool. See, but this is how we fail as a species, when we stop to recognize good design uh, and accept uh, whatever wow. uh, latest American exceptionalism we want to accept. That is when we fail. That's not the end of the species. But. No, but it's part of that, right? When we start to accept whatever design they want us to swallow and just think that it's cool because they said so. I thought I, thought I was going to be the one fired up. <laughs> I love that I'm not. <laughs> it is, uh, I think it is ugly. I do think it is futuristic, but in a way that is, like if if you were 1980 and you thought from what the, past. the future would look like, not <laughs> yeah, the future as yeah. we see it from 2020. I'll give Tesla this. They did not just take the Model X and chop off the back. Because, like, all their other cars, like, kind of look the same, right? They have a design language that's consistent across the three models. And the Model Y that's coming the end of 2020 fits that design aesthetic. This is boldly different. And I'll give them credit for that. I also think that we should point out that while it is a prototype, Tesla's prototypes don't differ. Like, this is what this truck is going to look like. Once you add windshield wipers and side windows, and I'm actually not positive about the legality of the way the tail light works, because in the U.S. at least, lights can't be only on movable parts of the bodywork, and I'm not sure if there's enough overhang 
on the body. I just, I just don't know. But broadly speaking, this is what this truck will look like. It is interesting that they are taking what is good about electric cars and applying it to the truck, right? So you have lots of torque. You can the what it can pull is impressive for a truck of its size. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes to a video by Doug Demiro, who's a, a car journalist, and he did what I was thinking about doing, but beat me to it, of like comparing this truck to the F-150, which is the best-selling vehicle in America. This is the same size as the Ford F-150, almost exactly, but its numbers price-wise and its numbers on what it can tow put it in ground between the F-150 and like a super-duty, like heavy-duty truck, which the F-150 isn't. And so it kind of comes out not comparing well to the F-150 or something like the F-2 or 350, which can tow a lot more and cost a lot more. This is in weird middle ground. And that's all really interesting to talk about. But the heart of why I struggle with this is not even the looks. I'm, I'm pretty sound that I don't like the way it looks, but who it's for. And you have the 200,000 people who have made reservations so far. Doug in his video points out that that number is actually low compared to previous times, like the Model 3, and it's only a tenth of the cost. Like Almost anyone could put $100 down on this just to see what it would what would happen. To put $1,000 down like the Model 3 is a significantly bigger ask. And so he views it, and the way I view it is this actually isn't a hit yet. This isn't as popular as the Model 3 was a few days after its launch. But the numbers hide that fact, the way they're doing the the pre-orders, which really aren't a pre-order. It just puts your name in line Mm -hmm. to order one officially when it's available, right? So it's like a pre-order, but not a pre-order. And it's refundable. And it's refundable. So basically, my understanding is when your name comes up, you you get an email saying, do you want to order? Yes, here are the options I want. No, I don't. Give me my $100 back. It's a loan to Tesla so they can build these effectively. But the question of who it's for is the most interesting one. So there are a lot – I got – into this on Twitter, there are lots of people who buy trucks, who buy SUVs in America in particular for the status. And I'm not judging that. If you have the money, that's how you want to express yourself. And you want to buy a big truck because it's big. Like, look, I'm from the South. Lots of people do that here. I'm completely normalized to it, right? Like if you want to buy this thing to look awesome in the suburbs, in your own mind, not in actuality, because it's ugly, that's fine. Like, if that's Tesla's market, that's totally cool. Where I str- where I look at it is my coming from me, I own and drive a pickup. I don't drive an F-150. I drive a, a Tacoma. It's not. It's a mid-sized truck. It's a little smaller than this. But I do use it as a truck. And I come from a family of people who own construction companies. And they own trucks and use trucks every day at work, right? And so that's my viewpoint and what I bring to this. So that's what I want to filter the rest of my comments through. So you may disagree with me. That's fine. This is just where I'm coming from, right? When I look at this, I look at something that can't actually replace something like an F-150 or another full-size truck because of the design that they have put forth. If they had taken a, a more traditional approach, this would be more attractive to people who buy a truck to actually use it as a truck. Like 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 my parents who work in construction, uh, like I, even I do uh, to a large extent where I'm hauling things and doing things around the house and with the kids in the truck. From that perspective, this is a weird vehicle. It's seat six, which is nice actually if you're talking about like a work crew, but Tesla's interiors are 
really high end and a lot of work trucks in particular are very low end interiors because you don't want to mess them up, right? If you're taking tools in and out of the backseat or you're muddy or something like that, you don't want to mess this up. Um, and this interior seems way too fragile for a work vehicle. There's also the issue of the bed. It's six and a half feet long. That's a foot longer than the bed in my Tacoma. Uh, I've got a, 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 the five-foot version of the Tacoma. My dad has the eight-foot version of the F-150, so it's not as long as that either. It's a good length. Six, six and a half feet is, is a good length. You can put a lot of stuff in there. But they – and maybe this is all there or it will be there, but Tesla's press events are so useless. You can't really tell. They didn't even talk about the utility of the bed what we've learned about it has come out later on Twitter through Elon or through various people asking questions. The side buttresses are going to make hard for loading and unloading equipment and anything big. You've got to go through the bed, not over the side. It also means that if you're carrying something really big, uh, that may uh, interfere with uh, with how that, that buttressing works and, and it could be in your way. It doesn't have a rear view mirror. It has a rear view camera because of the – there's a cover, a motorized cover that goes over the back. Elon on Twitter said that that could be a solar panel as an option, which I think is actually really cool. That at least gets out of the way completely, which is nice. But they didn't really get into any sort of technology in the bed. It's lit, which is nice. A lot of trucks have that. But if you are using this as a work vehicle, you need to be able to tie things down, you know, strap things down, and – there are indications that maybe those lines in the bed are actually a rail system and they will have some sort of hardware you can slide in and out. Until they've talked about that, they really haven't sold this as a as a work vehicle. Another thing people need to do with a work vehicle is modify it to be able to put a ladder rack on it, put a topper on it, put um, things in the bed that that match what they need to do. And a stainless steel bed, even if it has this rail system, doesn't seem like it's going to to be flexible in the way that a lot of people who depend on their trucks for their jobs uh, can can use. And it's not even a price issue, right? Because you can buy an F-150 that's more than this or the same price. It gets really expensive. But for someone who just needs a work truck, even if the money's off the table, this doesn't seem flexible enough for them. And and things like zero to 60 don't really matter in a pickup truck. You know, what matters is what's the range going to be when you're pulling a trailer. They didn't talk about that. People who have talked about the Model X pulling a trailer, the range goes in the toilet real quick when you're pulling weight behind it. They didn't mention that for a reason, and they need to explain at some point uh, what towing will do to the range, what will do to the handling. And things like air suspension aren't what people who buy trucks for trucks want, right? It's it's fine if you're, again, it's fine if you're going to use this as like your like cool urban vehicle. But if you're going to use it in the real world, I just think they've missed the mark. And and that's putting aside, again, looks and money. But I don't know. I, I wanted to be excited about this mm. because I would love at some point to replace my Tacoma with an electric pickup truck. But this has me waiting for Ford or for Rivian or somebody else doing a more traditional truck, which Elon called boring. But they're boring for a reason because it's a tool and a utility. Sure. Boring. Yeah. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Boring. <laughs> for me personally, the very fact that we're even considering this as a viable option <laughs> is just heartbreaking. Like honestly, from a from a from, I'm lucky enough to to live in Italy and I'm constantly 
I think I've been constantly exposed to a, to a long tradition of good design, whether it's clothes or cars or buildings. And I think there's... Yes, I understand the beauty as a concept is subjective, but I also think that in product design, you can call something ugly when it is. When, when, when it's design is informed not by the pleasure of looking at an object, but just wanting to look different because. And I think it's... My problem with this truck is that it's disrespectful of what design means. Like, he can have the best performance ever. He can pull any kind of, uh, you know, he can can have all the torque he wants and whatever. This is an insult visually speaking, I am absolutely excited. I'll tell you about what? About the Mustang Mach-E that Ford is doing. That is a beautiful car that is also futuristic, that also understands that people... Here's I'll let you in on a little secret. People like to look (laughs) at nice things. And, and And I think the more we allow ourselves to 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 modify our tastes to follow whatever a crazy man in America thinks should be called beautiful, the farther we get from the from actual good design and nice design, people like nice things, people like pretty things, people like things that are nice and smooth and beautiful and shiny, not some low polygon truck that like that looks like an eighties move gun <laughs> movie gun run. Like and it will not change my opinion on this. I think it looks ugly, and I think we should be free to call something ugly what it is. Not all beauty is subjective, especially when it comes to design. So that's my opinion. It could have the best performance in the world, but with that kind of look, really? Well, thankfully, it's going so fast, no one can look at it for very long. You know, so, oh, it's ugly. Oh, it's gone. I didn't even notice how ugly it was. Maybe that's why it's so fast. I don't know. And in general, like, I just don't get the... Like, I, uh, we could go on. I have thoughts about SpaceX. <laughs> I have thoughts about all kinds of Elon-related things. I Okay, and we're not going to get into the Mach-E, but um, I, I disagree with you a little bit, but it's uh, compared to <laughs> the Cybertruck, mm. it's a beauty. So <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's it. None of us are on the hook for this. I do find it really interesting, though. Like, Mike likes no, it, Mike but he's not going to buy one. Mike likes it. When he says on the hook, he means I haven't put any money down. And, and that truck you, would crush everything in London. It's way too big for your city. It's too big for London. Uh, you oh, could, sure. People are buying it here. I don't know how they expect to move it around. But I, have see, yeah. I see pickup trucks in the UK sometimes, and I don't understand how anybody lives their lives. I don't know if I would be so far as to say I like it. But I do not have the same feeling about it as I did initially. That's fair. That's kind of where I am. And I think that's true for a lot of people. It's growing on them. And and all, I mean, you know, my comments about the utility of it are open to change as we learn more about it. And and one thing Tesla does, and I'll, I'll give them credit for this, if they get thoughtful feedback from a lot of customers, they do listen to it. Right, they 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 have evolved their software, and it still has a long way to go. They're still not CarPlay, Bluetooth is still terrible, whatever. But you know, people have asked for things, and they've gotten them over the years. And I think with this, they're going to get feedback about the utility and prioritizing some things over other things. I don't think the design is going to radically change, but hopefully, they do tell the story of how it's useful 
in a better way. You know, all of this is colored to a degree by Musk's pretty bad performance on stage. Like, I don't mean to pick on him, but like, he's awkward on stage. And that's true if he's talking about SpaceX or anything else. But the content of the keynote was very nonspecific, right? The website has way more detail on the truck, some of the options you can get with it. There's a picture of a camper thing that I made fun of. Like, none of that was talked about. And if they had done a better job, they spent 30 seconds on, hey, we have this cool rail system so you can tie stuff down. Uh, hey, it has this or that that make you know people in the real world are going to want. They didn't do any yeah. of that. They spent too much time on demos that didn't work, <laughs> basically. Yeah, they, they did break the windows on the demo, which um, uh-huh. so sad. Oh, awkward. Uh, but like, everyone's had a demo fail. Right? The iPhone 10 didn't face unlock the first time, right? That's pretty bad. <laughs> a, a, dem- a bad demo doesn't doom a product. But yeah. Tesla and Musk do a better job at explaining these things up front. So we don't have to have these conversations, right? We don't have to wonder about, well, what if you do want to put something in the back of it, right? Like, I have a question. Is it slippery as hell back there when it's wet? I bet it is. Like, that's a problem if you have stuff in the bed of your truck. So all of those things hopefully will will come to light over time. But I want to talk about it because it's a tech product in a weird way, right? Like, we're watching tech YouTubers talk about it. Uh, Jonathan Morrison did this call with MKBHD, that basically a FaceTime call they just put on YouTube last night of them talking about it as a a work truck for camera work and, like, production work. That's really interesting to me. I still think it's a... This whole, this whole thing, I, I don't actually believe this is a product. The more I look at it, the more I think it's like a piece <laughs> of performance art to get, to, to get us to talk about it. Like, it's not an actual thing. It can be an actual oh, thing. Oh, it's going to be a real thing. I refuse to. People are going to be driving them I in, in uh, you thing. know, two to seven years when they finally ship. Uh, if you have problems with any of that, please email Casey.